Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit nwuclinics.com to schedule an appointment. It is time. It is Tuesday. It's time for a Suns three-pointer, Wolf. And we're about a week into the season, so that's what it's going to be. It's not going to be complicated. We're going to keep things simple. Take what the defense gives us. Three things that have stood out most through the first uh, three games for the Suns in the first week of the season. You go first. Okay. Here we go. Whammo! Seven, Booker, and one. All right, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with DeAndre Ayton, a name I have not mentioned on the show. I don't believe in two days, which might be an Arizona sports record to talk about the Phoenix Suns and not mention DeAndre Ayton's name in two days. But uh, now I think about it, I didn't even last two days because I remember talking about him yesterday. But he has been he has been noticeable to me when he's out there on the floor. Wolf, I'm, I'm not. I don't think compared to to most, I live and die with each game by Da as, as much as a lot of Suns fans do. I like the way he's played the first three games. I'm a little not concerned by the 14 fouls, just frustrated because they keep taking him off the floor when he's playing, I think, more the way people want him to play. Yeah, that's a good one right there. A little foreshadowing, maybe. Okay, my first point of Suns three-pointer is Devin Booker looks driven. Books averaging 32 points per game and shooting 53.1% from the field so far this season. He's being aggressive and attacking the rim more than he has in the past. Um, A great article by Kellen Olson, killer, ladies and gentlemen, on ArizonaSports.com that speaks to this and the way that he is being aggressive. In three games, Book is on the ball a lot more. And this is my first point of Suns three-pointer. Fade back 14-footer is two points. Dynamite. That's who I was. That was going to be my next point. You took it, so now I got to pivot. Uh, okay, I, you took DA. I know. That's, that's basically what Suns three pointer has Kicked evolved me right into. In the cradle. Is us trying to take the other person's answer before they can take it. Uh, so I'm going to go with Chris Paul. This is something that brought up with K Ray uh, last hour. And again, I want to be clear because when Chris Paul goes off for 27 points tonight, I don't want people to be like, "See, you thought Chris Paul was done." I don't think Chris Paul's done. He's got 32 assists in his first three games this season. He ain't done. I just want to know if if him not shooting as much is an intentional thing that I'm fascinated by how the Suns are approaching this season differently than any other season. It's little nuanced things. It's the stuff you just said about Devin Booker. I think there might be something to how DeAndre Ayton is playing. Are they purposely saying, Chris, it's October, man. You don't have to you don't have to stress about hitting all these shots. You can pass some of them up, get some of these other guys involved. You don't have to play at the end of a game in the opener against Dallas. I'm just interested in how they are managing Chris Paul because of the way last season ended. That's a good one right there, Luke. Uh, more foreshadowing, of course. My second point of Suns three-pointer, DeAndre Ayton is trying to be more physical, but isn't being more aggressive. 
There is a difference between banging your body around and thinking about doing things in an aggressive way. DeHay has, what, 14 fouls in three games. I don't think we've seen DeAndre Ayton have 14 fouls in three games since ever? <laughs> Maybe? There's got to be a stretch somewhere. It's got to be a stretch, I would imagine. But I just can't remember yeah. there being a stretch like this. But he's still doing the bunny thing under the basket, which makes us all lose our mind. He's got to train his mind to be aggressive. And then he will be physical in everything that he does. That's my second point of Sun's three-pointer. Three-pointer. Shazam! Alright, well since you took my Devin Booker answer, although that is part of this, what's the next step for Devin Booker? Is it even fair to ask for a next step from Devin Booker in year eight as he's gotten better each year and there's just not very much room for him to go other than MVP and or NBA title? Um, I'll pivot a little bit here, Wolf, and just say this through the first three games of the season. The Suns have beaten two pretty good basketball teams and two teams that a lot of people picked to finish ahead of the Suns coming into the season. Now, I get it with the Clippers. I still think Dallas is a play-in team. And I know people are picking against Luka. They're amazing. Yeah, that's great. There are six other teams in the Western Conference that are more amazing (laughs) than Dallas. So I still think Dallas is a play-in team. But to beat Dallas the way you did, uh, I think that was important. Uh, It's a good way to start the season. And then to just handle the Clippers was more impressive. They've played some pretty good basketball teams. And especially if they win tonight, you're beating at least two, maybe three title contenders in the first week of the season. That doesn't suck, Buttermilk, no, does it? I, I approve of it. Yes, uh, getting off to a good start. Okay, my third point of Suns three-pointer is Chris Paul looks different. He does. Um, he does not appear to be looking for his shot as much as you have already alluded to. He doesn't have the ball in his hands like he did last year. He appears to be, he appears to be uh, deferring to his teammates, trying to get them to shoot the ball. Um, it's only three games, of course, and the season is infantile. But in game one against the despised Dallas Mavericks, clutch time was not Chris time like it was last season. Game one, man. Monty sat Chris Paul down and let campaign finish the game. You tell me, but what is the plan here? I'm not sure, but Chris Paul does look different right now. And that's my third point of Suns three-pointer. See the shots that I took, wet like a bull. I want to say two things real quick on Aiton since you brought him up here before we hit the break. And, and that aggressiveness not necessarily being just being more physical. Um, I don't think you can think and still be aggressive, or it really hinders your chances. Now, that's not even so much a commentary on DeAndre Ayton. I just think in general, if you are thinking, you're already cutting into your aggressiveness. It yes. needs to be instinct. Uh, the other thing, though, and this is about DA, if you're saying he's being more physical but not necessarily more aggressive, could you not argue that that is a step, that that's him yes. taking the next step? Yes, no, okay. that is that is a step. But to your point, he's got to be. You can't do and that's what you're saying, basically, when suddenly, you know what, um, just be aggressive and let the body be physical in the process of doing that. You don't want to think your way through it. You want to be. 
All right, we come back over to football, and this time to Tempe for ASU football. Are changes coming at the top and maybe a quarterback? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. ASU football is in Boulder this weekend. We'll take on the Colorado Buffaloes, who um, aren't good at football this year. So this is a game game ASU should be able to win. Although, you would have said the game this past Saturday against Stanford is a game ASU should have been able to win. Uh, There's a lot of speculation out there right now that something may be happening at the top with ASU, which... I mean, it can't be the coach, so you'd have to think athletic director. But nothing has happened today. There's been speculation, but nothing has actually happened. Ray Anderson, in fact, was at uh, at ASU practice today. So just putting that out there. Uh, but there, this isn't speculation. This is absolutely a real thing. They are picking a quarterback this week in Tempe. Okay. Which, um, can, not, I just, can I just interrupt you for a second right here? Yeah. <laughs> just just as acknowledge, I was about to say the greatest thing ever. Now go ahead. <laughs> I just want so you're saying Ray Anderson um there's a story out there that there's just been speculation what was the one that the the tweet that John Wilner had earlier that Maloney okay. referenced that there there could be something happening he didn't say it ASU he just okay. said Pac-12 okay Chris Cartman a Sun Devil source was responding to somebody on an ASU forum and was like yeah I kind of heard there might be some sort of change coming even last week but okay. nothing's been confirmed yes and then uh, he has a story up today about how I'll make sure I get the title right if I'm going to reference his story. Basically, the, the changes are past due for ASU. Yeah. But again, nothing has happened. Okay, and Ray Anderson was actually at practice. He was at practice. Okay, is that normal? Uh, you see where I'm going with that? Is that normal for him to be hanging out there I practice? Uh, hmm. I'm just saying. Well. Would he like to address the team? And uh, this okay. is the stuff that you think um, of, and then people are like, "Well, if you're crazy," and then it happens. So I'm not even going to question you anymore. I'm just saying, uh, by the pricking of my thumb, something wicked this way comes, metaphorically speaking. Well, this is a real thing that's happening for ASU as they are changing. No, I shouldn't say changing. Opening a quarterback competition this week. Not ideal the week of Halloween. You like to work this stuff out in August, but hey, you've already changed head coaches in the middle of the season, so I guess quarterback is in play as well. This is Sean Aguano on what he is looking for from a starting quarterback. Um, a few things. Number one, the execution part of it, um, the confidence part of it. I want to see how the team reacts to it. Um, how do we go about from a, a series in on converting um, on our situation? Situational practices, but just the overall moxie of the quarterback in the field. The good thing about it is the kids trust both of them. Um, now, who's going to be confident to win the job? I mean, so we're going to go about this Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday. Um, I might not ma- name a starter until I figure it out Friday who's the guy uh, that I'm comfortable with going. But uh, with that choice being made, that person, uh, I'm going to have full confidence that they're going to win the, the football game. And that's exactly what uh, um, I'm asking the kids. We're going to move forward and win the football game. 
Mm, yes, yeah. please win a football game. Yeah, win a football game right there. It's very interesting because this move does impact the roster. It does impact the depth chart in a big way. It impacts the players inside that locker room in a big way. What are you going to do? I mean, half of them, I, I'm just using this metaphorically. I don't know that to be the case. I don't know what I'm about to say to be the case. But half the locker room, probably Emory Jones. Half the other, Trenton Borgay. What does it do to the team? How does it impact the team collectively and their psyche going forward? He, you have to think about that. He did say that players on the team trust both guys, but you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's more to it than just, hey, we support you no matter what, coach. Yeah, what is the percentage? It's like That's 900 players on a college football team. I know, it's very interesting. That is the first thing you've got to think about right there. And is it the right thing to do? Um, I thought they should have done it over the bye. That would have been an excellent opportunity to say, we're going to open it up right here. Based on what Trenton Borgay actually did for us out on the field against Washington, we're going to go into this bye, and we're going to we're going to look at this real closely, if you know what I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, why would you have not actually opened it up over the bye the- and actually had some physical practices where you could see the quarterback? operate in those physical practices i can't answer that question the only the only path i could even start to go down would be you're playing colorado this week this is the easiest team on your schedule they just lost oregon state 42 to 9 they lost to u of a 43 20 um they so lost what to minnesota 49 that if you did want to make a change hey trent trent and Bargay, we'd like to run you out there because we know you can beat these Here's, guys. We, we want our decision to get reinforced in the first game. Now, okay. the only problem with that theory, Wolf, is Stanford's not all that great. So they could have done it going into the Stanford game. Yes, like of if course. You, if you think the new guy coming off the box, yeah, yeah. So that's Stanford's not as bad as Colorado. But if you if you think that the guy you're picking couldn't beat Stanford last week, then it doesn't even matter who you pick if you don't if you don't have any confidence in him like that. But you are setting whoever this is up to, even if it's Emory Jones. If Sean Iguano on Saturday morning is like, it's Emory Jones, this is our guy, and then he goes out there and beats Colorado. Yeah, right. I mean, if he doesn't, then he's not going to be starting. See, this is next so week. weird because this is what I was talking about even yesterday. We are having this conversation to some degree, and, you know, I was wondering why they didn't take Borgay and put him in against Stanford. Give him an opportunity. Let him play the fourth quarter, whatever it was. I didn't think Emory Jones really was playing that poorly. I don't. He was good in the first half and then they just didn't do anything in the second half. But it made me think they know that Emory Jones is their guy. They know he's their guy and he gives them the best opportunity to win games which is why they gave him every opportunity to rally his team and beat Stanford. That made perfect sense to me. Now all of a sudden you're coming out after the Stanford game and saying this. So... Why didn't you put Trenton Borgay into the game in that fourth quarter and see if he could rally the troops and move the ball and somehow, some way score? If you're willing to open it up after that game, why weren't you willing to yeah. put him in to that the game? The timing's weird. Sense? Yeah, timing's weird because the pushback on that would be like, well, you know, he's been preparing all week as the backup. Who cares? He was preparing all week going into the Washington game as the backup, and he came in and played great. Yes. Uh, yes. To me... 
And we just played the clip of what Sean Aguano is looking for in a starting quarterback. To me, Wolf, with all of the stuff that's up in the air around this team, Aguano might not be the coach next year. I think a lot of people think they're going to go out and hire somebody else. Um, you know, it's it's college football in 2022 where whoever you don't name the starter, there's a pretty good chance they leave and go play somewhere else next year. So much up in the air. To me, I just want the guy with more upside, whoever the upside guy is. And I have to think, because there's some unknown with Bourget, that's probably him. They would know better within the program at practice. But whoever they think has the more upside, it's well, not like you're well, in the... what do you mean upside? Uh, define upside. Who has the higher ceiling? Okay, physically. Talking yeah. about talent. Who on the, the field? Perspective. Yeah. I think Emory Jones. I think they've already made that determination. It was Emory Jones. Boy. And that's what I'm saying. Um... Suddenly, you've got and you've you've got Borgay that goes out there and uh, beats Washington. That to me screams more upside than no well, well, no points in the second okay. half against Stanford. And that's why passes. I asked you, what do you mean, talent from a talent perspective? Who's got more upside, or just somebody that is playing the quarterback position better? It's not like Emory Jones was throwing five picks a game. No, but he was. I don't mean for this week in Colorado. To me, it's like, okay, who has the higher ceiling? Who, if he is your starter and you name him the starter and the other guy leaves and this is your guy for next year too when ideally things won't be so dire, who has the higher upside? Because you're not in the middle of a race for a playoff spot or to even contend in the Pac-12 right now. If you lose to Colorado, we're all going to roll our eyes, but it's not really going to be the end of the season because the season's already over in that regard. It's who's going to be your guy that goes into next season with like, okay, this guy maybe could do some real damage. Maybe it is Emory Jones. I mean, he was an SEC quarterback, but it just he's, well, he's been limited this year. Yeah, and first of all, it looks like he's got, um, he's a very good runner of the football. As a matter of fact, he's a better runner than Trenton Bourdais. Is. Yes. He's a better runner of the football. He's 6'3, by the way. He's a big unit, Emory Jones. 6'3, and you've got Trenton Borgay's 5'11. So, another, again, this is why I ask you if you're just looking at the position, saying who's got more upside, they've already made up their mind it was Emory Jones who had more upside. Well, then let me ask you this because who's not got the X factor? And that might be Borgay. Because do you think there's any way they're doing this? Maybe I should, maybe I rephrase this. What do you think the percentage chance is they're having this quarterback competition right in the middle of the season this week and they're going to go back to Emory Jones on Saturday? They're going to have this competition. This is huge. Here we go. We're opening it up. Things aren't working. We're going to open this up. It's not Emory Jones' job. It's him or Borgay who gets it. Yeah. And on Saturday morning, they're like, yep, yeah, it's Emory Jones again. <laughs> Doesn't that feel kind of anticlimactic? Just a little bit. Yeah, it does. Um, Once again, I think the hay could be in the barn. This is just me. I've seen it before. Hay in a barn? It's not. No. It's not. No, of course not. I know why you said that. That was funny. (laughs) I get it. But um, I've seen this happen before where coaches will do this going into a game where a guy has a chance to succeed. And I think whoever that quarterback may be has a chance to succeed against Colorado. And that makes me think Borgay has already got the job. Oh, we're going to go through the process. You better believe it. We're not just going to hand it to them. Kind of. 
<laughs> That's just as me. Long, I as, could be wrong on that. As long as he doesn't go out there and mess it up this week of exactly, practice. Exactly, right? but I've seen coaches do something like that. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back to the Cardinals potentially have a new way to use DeAndre Hopkins. We'll explain next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, it's the instrumental version of Weezer. Of course. Just the way Wolf listens to his music. I know you listen to a lot of Weezer, and you don't like having any words in your songs. You just like nothing but instrumental. awful. (laughs) Tell tell us how you really feel. Uh, We talked about Devin Booker a little bit earlier in the show, and can you ask for more from Devin Booker? It's kind of a theme today, Wolf. Can you look at the Arizona Cardinals and say, okay, who can we get more out of? How about DeAndre Hopkins? This is so Oliver Twist. More, sir. (laughs) It's definitely a plot twist to look and say, okay, I have the 53 guys on this roster. You, (laughs) D-Hop, you give us more. I wonder how many dudes actually got that right there. Please, sir, I want some more. Please, sir, I want some more. Somehow Maloney had audio of Oliver Twist, which is a book. Oh, little Dickens, of course, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, uh, Google it, my young brothers. Please. Okay, what were you saying? You said something before the Oliver Twist invaded uh, the show. Philosophically deep. Uh, No, we talked about Devin Booker earlier. Can he give the Suns more? How they're trying to adjust things where he maybe can give the Suns more. Seems almost counterintuitive to look at the Suns and say we need more from Devin Booker. I would say... The guy on the on the Arizona Cardinals that I would look at last and say we need more from him is DeAndre Hopkins or Buda Baker, the two guys that give you the most. Yeah. And yet there might be a way to get more out of DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. And if there is, that would hinge on using him differently. I referenced the story from Darren Urban, Derb, as you call him, yes. on azcardinals.com, where he looked at his uh, usage in the game against New Orleans and he lined up in the slot for 27 snaps. His previous high with the Cardinals ever was 10 in the slot. That's a distinct difference. Almost three times as many in the very first game back? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so where do you begin on this one? How much more can you get out of DeAndre Hopkins? Lots. And the reason why I say that is, okay, maybe not the production from him, but watch Kyler Murray start spreading the ball to everybody else. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, I think DeAndre Hopkins and moving DeAndre Hopkins, I think that's great. That's fantastic, especially because it makes me think when Hollywood Brown does get back, you're going to take him and stick him over to the left. (laughs) You're going to stick him over as the X receiver on the single receiver side of the formation, and you're going to put him on the left, kind of like what you did with D-Hop. And now, all of a sudden, you got DeAndre Hopkins moving all over the field, which I love with Hollywood Brown when that happens. I don't know that's going to be the case. That's my suspicion. That's what they're going to do. How much more can you get from D-Hop? Okay, maybe not the tangible, going out and catching 20 passes a game. Maybe it's about spreading the ball to everybody else for Kyler Murray. That D-hop opens that window for Kyler Murray. Yeah, maybe it's, look, it's tough to measure this with stats, but maybe it's instead of Hopkins making 10 catches and nobody else having like more than two, it's Hopkins has eight, 
But yes. a bunch of guys have five yes. or something. You know what I mean? Yes. This is Steve Kime on with Burns and Gambo yesterday about using DeAndre Hopkins differently. When you have a guy like Hop and, and people are going to either try to double or bracket him, uh, you want to move him around and try to create his mismatches. Although if you asked Hop, he would tell you he's never covered. So, <laughs> um, But but uh, talking about a, uh, you know exciting time to have him come back and, and really kind of felt strongly that he was going to come back and have uh, – you know, sort of that type of uh, impact on the game. Boy, that's true. If you talk to DeAndre Hopkins, hey, we're going to move you all over the place so you don't get, you know, covered. I'm not ever covered. (laughs) That's the answer you would get. That doesn't mean you don't move him around, though. And I would say this, too, Wolf, if you are moving DeAndre Hopkins around now, does that not say something about your confidence level in Kyler Murray being higher than it was a couple years ago, as it should be? Yeah, I think it does, Luke, to answer your question. But I also think this has been part of the plan for a long, long time. Um, I didn't know this and don't know it, ladies and gentlemen, but nobody told me this. But for me, it just feels like um, Marquise Hollywood Brown was going to be the X lined up to the left of Kyler Murray the vast majority of the time. And D-Hop was going to take on a new role of being moved around. This is something, and I alluded to it in training camp. Yeah. When the Cardinals first released their depth chart, they had Hollywood Brown as that sole receiver, at least traditionally, on a depth chart. You start with the one wide receiver side, and then it goes to the offensive line, working your way down, of course. And then after that, you've got the strength of the formation to the right at the bottom of your depth chart. Traditionally, that's how you would do it. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. I just thought it was interesting that they had Marquise Hollywood Brown lined up where traditionally the X receiver goes, who is your single receiver, so to speak. Um, That, to me, made me think maybe D-Hop was going to get moved around a little bit more. Maybe he was going to run some more slot stuff. And guess what? 27 times he lined up in the slot? 27. Again, his, his previous high with the Cardinals was 10 in a game. And to spin it forward, Pro Football Focus, when they do their rankings of you know each team, their grades on how each team uh, you know defends different ways, the Vikings are not very good against slot receivers. So if you felt comfortable doing it on Thursday night, I'm guessing you're going to feel comfortable doing it again on Sunday. Yes. Because Minnesota is not a team wolf that you beat 13 to 10. That's, Yo. You can beat Minnesota. I don't think they're unbeatable by any means. I think the Cardinals could beat them. But Minnesota's the kind of team that you got to beat 30 to 24. Yeah, um, that's really interesting what you just said right there in regard to Minnesota and how they play. Ed Donatel is their um, defensive coordinator. And Ed Donatel is one of these guys that has been known to play an awful lot of zone, a lot of zone coverage. And that makes me think that we could see a game where D-Hop might be targeted 15 times or more in this game because of the zone scheme that we're going to see a lot of. And not only that, but D-Hop, how well he reads the zone scheme and gets open. A guy that just knows how to get open more so than a precise route runner. Correct. I wouldn't want to cover him with a zone. Correct. That's (laughs) what he is, Luke, right there. He just knows how to get open. Whether it's man or whether it's zone, whether it's a combination thereof, 
DeAndre Hopkins knows how to get open. He's not going to run the best routes like Luke said. He's not going to do it, but he's just going to find a way (laughs) to beat somebody and get open. Find that soft spot in his own room and be open. And then when you throw it, he's going to catch it. Doesn't matter if hands are all over him. He's going to catch it. For the most part. Uh, this is Cliff Kingsbury on with us yesterday, how Kyler gets helped by having Hopkins, besides just the obvious. Yeah, everybody's does. Um, I mean, that's the type of impact that true number one, you know, top type wideout in the league. Um, that's the impact he has. And, and so there were some, some big plays where I felt like that was the security blanket and Kyler found him and, and kept the chains moving. And that's where we really struggled with the third down, second and long situations. And, and Hop had a huge impact on that. I would just say this wolf as, as sort of a reminder maybe that none of us needs but deandre hopkins is like a true number one you know you can go up and down all 32 teams in the nfl and we could probably sit here and identify who their number one receiver is but just because you're the number one receiver on a team doesn't mean you're a true number one deandre hopkins is a true number one that that's not as well you know this team we got our best receiver back so that's going to fix everything like chicago <laughs> who's is, is mooney chicago's number one receiver that's not going to fix everything for chicago when yeah. he's out there deandre hopkins is a different tier deandre hopkins is up in the very top number one receivers in the nfl and that's why we're seeing the uh the difference hopefully that we saw on thursday night continue uh on into sunday coming up next what do you want to see from the suns tonight when they face the defense champion Golden State Warriors. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Sunday, presented by YRefi.com. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, final segment of the show. Oh, this is your part of the song, Wolf. Will you step in and do the voice here? I just gotta know what he's saying. No, we can get you words. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what he's saying, but I think I could do the. <laughs> this could be your karaoke song. You don't sing the actual words. You just do the very beginning when somebody else sings it. I can do that, please. I would pay good money to hear that, actually. Uh, Phoenix Suns playing Golden State tonight, so what better way to wrap up the show than by taking a look ahead to potentially great game from the Footprint Center. Only uh, fourth game of the season, but anytime the Suns and the Warriors are playing, if you're like me, you're taking extra notice, and uh, as is Monty Williams, here's his scouting report of Golden State. Unreal shot making, playing with pace. confident group they throw a number of defenses at you they still do it they've always done that with us um, I mean what don't you see is probably a question I mean, they they have like every they throw everything in the book at you you know what I mean they do it well I mean you can't win four championships in eight years if you don't know what you're doing just a really, really tough team. It's always a challenge for us when we play against them. They have so many guys that can make shots. The guys who don't make shots know their roles. We've added some young guys to their rotation. It has given them a different look, but for the most part, they're the same well-oiled, efficient team that everybody's used to seeing. Did he say four championships in eight years? He did. Did he say that? Hmm. 
That's a dynasty. Well, that is the definition of a dynasty, isn't it? To they, me. And they've been to six. I mean, you don't have to win three in a row to be a dynasty. You're telling me they four? You've won four championships in eight? Oh, my gosh. The definition of a dynasty. They've won four. They've been to six of the last eight. So when you're looking at Western Conference representatives, Wolf. That's sickening. You've got seven of the last eight on the floor tonight. Yeah, I'll just go ahead and split it down the middle, right? <laughs> One for the Suns, six for Golden State. Just listen to the respect that Monty Williams has when he was talking about this uh, team. Uh, yeah, too. Just mean, listen to the respect. You know it's so genuine. Devin Booker, too, talking about Golden State and their dynasty. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's what dynasties are about. Um, they stay true to that. You know, they built it through the draft. They built it through the trades and... It's been, it's been a pleasure to watch in my time in the league and just to see, like you said, you know, them sustain you know, through different teams. You, know, you can still see the coaches there. Look, make no mistake when you talk about Golden State. I don't want to give them too much respect here, but you have to. They've been you six do. The you last have eight. to. You do. Just it, admit it. And it's not, it's not like a hate thing. You know, it's not like, oh, I hate the Warriors. I, I, look, Draymond Green's annoying. But give yeah, who really hates Steph Curry? How do you, how do you hate Steph Curry? If you hate Steph Curry, I need to know why. How? Uh, This is the team. Make no mistake. This is the team you're trying to be if you're the Phoenix Suns. People can talk about, oh, the Clippers are going to be good this year. And, oh, this look at Boston over in the Eastern Conference. No, Philadelphia, they're going to be amazing even though they're not winning games. Um, Golden State's the team that you're trying to be. Golden State's the team everybody's trying to be. There are similarities when the Suns are at their best and when Golden State's been at their best. The Suns are almost like Golden State light. Now, they don't have the titles. So you can't be light. You have to get to their level if you want titles. That's the team you got to go through. That's the team you want to emulate in terms of ball movement, in terms of defense, in terms of building through the draft, but also supplementing those pieces. Like Devin Booker just said, this is the ultimate measuring stick game. No, of course, man, it is. And it's one of the things that I love about this team, that being the Suns, of course. And what we've seen over the last two seasons in particular is a very Golden State-like approach when it comes to team chemistry mm-hmm. and the culture that they have. I like that. I, I, It's the it factor. It's not just, hey, look at the physical skill. Look at the talent. Look at how talented this team is. If it was just about talent, um, man, that can get annoying. It really can. But when it's about talent and it's also about culture and how you compete and how you go about your business and the intensity that you bring to the floor, I think of the Golden State Warriors. They've done it better than anybody else in the league. And that's hard to dislike. As a former professional athlete, I'm just telling you, right, it's really hard to dislike that because you respect it so much. You um, you have a guy on the Suns that spent the last few years on Golden State and Damian Lee. He's, what is he... Steph Curry's brother-in-law now. I think I believe that's it. Um, and so he was obviously, this is from today, was asked about his relationships with the team that the Suns are playing tonight. I mean, it's, it's, it's competition. So even when we were in practice, you know, still teammates, all that stuff, but it's still competition. I mean, 
you guys might see some jokes, might see some stuff like throughout the course of the game, but that still doesn't take away from the utmost of we're on opposing teams, it's competition, uh, and you want to be the team that scores the most at the end. So, um, like I said, I mean, it'll be fun. Like, just seeing those guys enjoying the vibe, but, I mean, at the end of the day, once 7, seven o'clock comes, we're on opposing teams. It's competition. He knows it better than anybody else. That's going to be really, really cool right there. What do you think his emotions are going to be like? He's He is somebody that plays on emotion, too. I mean, yeah. We've only had him here for three games. We've, uh, you know, obviously have seen him play for Golden State, but he's... He's been a pleasant surprise early this season for the Suns doing what he has done. I want to get in a clip here from Mikel Bridges, too, because nobody shuts down Steph. I get that. But there are games where Steph doesn't have Steph nights, and they tend to be with Mikel Bridges out there on the floor. Um, it's fun, man. It's just, it kind of it just touches us as a team just defensively. You know, you can't. It's the only team defense we play them because um, they'll expose everything you do. If you don't help, they're going to find the cutter if you help too much you're going to find the shooters um, if you're not connected as, as one um, it's a tough 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 time guarding them so I think I'm just excited to see where we're at I think we had a pretty good defensive game against the Clippers so um, like overall as a team so I think we're leading to the right spot and I mean why not this game is a good challenge especially how good they are um, see how good our defense is yeah, see how good your defense is. You know, also, too, this is going to be interesting because without 9-9, who might be the dude that kind of stands up to Draymond and the stuff that you can expect coming from Draymond? It's coming. This is, uh, right? Yeah. I mean, this is going to be really interesting to watch just from that perspective, Luke. To me, at least, now you're the right. Tangible of the toughness and the intensity that a Draymond Green and the Golden State Warriors bring to a floor, and so did Jay Crowder and JaVale McGee. Who who's who might step up into that kind of role? All right, let's write these down. First of all, who is Draymond Green? going to go after in this game because he's going to. So who's he going to try and get under the skin of? Is it DA? I'm going to say DA. Yeah. I'm going to say oh, DA. No, I think you're right about that. Yeah. It's, it's got to be DA. DA. Yeah. Well, because you, you're not you're not going to try and get under the skin of Chris Paul. I mean, it's Draymond Green. He might. It's not wise to do it to Booker because he'll yeah. drop 45. Right, exactly. Don't do that. Um, I would hope you're smart enough to not do it to Bismack Biombo, who looks like a peaceful man, but he also is probably not the guy you want to mess with. <laughs> That's, I didn't see that one coming right there. I'm just looking up and down the list. Is there anybody? I mean, maybe he'll go after Jock Landale. Oh, Jock Landale. Jock there Landale. we go. Hey, right. mate. Let's see what you got, mate. <laughs> so it'll be one of those two he goes after. But you're right. The bigger question is who steps in for the Suns. Who's yes. like, no, no, you're not doing this. Look, look. every time you play the Golden State Warriors, there's a little stank on the floor, if you know what I mean. There's a little something dripping out of the side of their neck. Um, okay, who's going to go out and try to mop it up, metaphorically speaking? Who's going to be that guy? I don't know who that guy is. Because if you look at the roster right now, a year ago, yeah, it's definitely Jay Crowder. It's definitely Jay Crowder. And it's JaVale McGee. Yes. It's both of them. Those two guys. Toughness. I'm telling you, Wolf, when I look at the roster right now, if things go sideways tonight with Draymond Green, who's going to step in and be like, I, I, yeah, I, whatever it yeah. takes? Let's see. It's Devin Booker, and well, I don't well, want it to be again, Devin Booker. Well, once again, Jock Landell. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> He's the, big wild, the wild card right there? The X Factor. The X Factor. Don't mess with me, mate. You know, I mean, who knows? 
<laughs> maybe maybe he's he's maybe he's disturbed. You know, maybe he's got this personality that is going to be like, oh man, don't jab me in the eye. Well, Draymond, Draymond will bring that out of you. He'll bring it out of his own team. And maybe Jordan Poole will step in and punch Draymond if things go sideways. <laughs> maybe that's that's where. This Boy, how about that? I love that conversation with Jay Wool. Jay Wool right there said it, man. He sucker he said punched it before him. you could say it, yeah. sucker punched. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think Draymond Green's going to be on the Warriors next year. And that's not just me. All right, that's going to do it for us here today. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass as well. For Wolf, I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Peace and strength.